Welcome to the Soul Traveler Podcast, an exploration of conscious living with your host, Jennifer Mitchell of The Soul Experience. Join Jennifer as she explores the quantum realms of the subconscious mind and all aspects of spirituality. Driven by curiosity and a thirst for knowledge, topics will stretch the boundaries of your imagination and revive your mind, body, and soul. This is your host, Jennifer Mitchell. I had the pleasure to speak with Chris Rock today. I enjoyed learning about his fantastic Bali retreats and his book, Be You, which helps you calm your mind and open up yourself to revolutionary discoveries. He also hosts the well-known podcast, Be You, which combines fun banter with deep subjects of the heart and soul. I was extremely inspired by Chris's story, and I know that you will be too. If you liked today's episode, please remember to subscribe to the show and rate five stars. I hope you're ready to expand your mind, body, and soul. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. Jennifer, such a pleasure to be here. Yes, I've really been looking forward to our conversation today, and I'm so excited to dive right in and hear about all about your work, your remarkable, transformative work that you do. Oh, thank you. I love diving in because that's what life is all about, right? We just got to show up and dive in. Absolutely agree. And for the benefit of our listeners, where are you calling in from today? Oh, I'm in Bali, Indonesia. That is so amazing. Bali is definitely on my list of places that I want to travel to. Mm, it's definitely a magical place. And you have a place now to you're invited to. Yeah. <laughs> so don't hold what back. Do you, what do you love the most about living in Bali? Well, I mean, I was here before as a as a visitor. And I think everyone that comes here it, it's so different and it's the opposite time zone. So you you do feel like you're in a, its own corner of the planet. It, it's its own world. But there's a deep kind of presence, particularly in Ubud, uh, the central part of the island. It's little things like even the absence of traffic rules, which requires you to, yeah, it feels chaotic <laughs> at first, but it requires you to be present. Uh, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy chickens and potholes and bamboo poles and nature and, and trucks and tourists and whatever crossing the road. And if you linger on that crazy chicken that you had to avoid a moment ago, then you're not ready for the next one. And oh, so wow. even even in that aspect, it keeps you super present. People are just mm-hmm. really present, even the guy at the gas station. And there's a traffic uh, kind of uh, knot Everyone just waits. There's no honking. They wait for the situation to resolve itself. And then everyone continues on, on the path of least resistance. So I really like that. Wow. I can't even imagine that. Sounds so incredible. I can't wait to visit. And did you end up there because of the work that you do? Or did you live there before you started your spiritual journey and your current line of work? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's uh, central to what I do now. Mindful living, I, I run retreats and, and mm-hmm. do personal coaching and, and online courses and so forth. And it is great to step away from the world and then be in your own space and then be able to then dip back in. Uh, and the nature, of course, nature is a huge part of being grounded and finding yourself and just having the wisdom of life tell you what resonates and and have your inner truth speak more loudly and be more amplified and being around nature deeply embedded in nature uh, really helps with that and i know that the core of your work really focuses on living intuitively how how has that changed your life 
Mm. Well, I think everyone has that inner voice. I had it as well. And you can call it tuition, gut, uh, your instincts, your heart space, your inner divinity, your higher self, God, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it, it's there. there. There's something inside of us. And so I just call it my inner voice. And it was really about starting and learning to listen to it. It, it was always there, but I, I had these other voices, outside voices that I was conditioned with. I think we all are. And a lot of them well-meaning, right? We have people, parents and others who tell us what they think is best for us, but that's their version of life and their experiences. And they ultimately don't know us. And so really learning to listen to yourself and, and going with what resonates, I mean, it changed everything. I, you know, I was a corporate consultant for over 25 years and, and loved what I was doing at the time, but it left me feeling empty, like there was something more to life something was mm -hmm. missing and so then when i started searching and and uh moving my focus from the external right always living for outcomes always li living for the next achievement which can lead to happiness but it's temporary happiness and where do we find that permanent happiness and joy and groundedness well it's within and so that's what got me here Mm -hmm. And yes, for me, I would say like intuition refers to responses or feelings that don't necessarily arise from that monkey mind, like deliberate type of thinking, but more from that just sense of knowing that's deep inside us. And talking about the corporate world, I think that we both had similar career paths. I was uh, in the corporate world for so many years, and I saw that you used to do to work with user experience. <laughs> and yes. Uh, one time I was working for this corporation and they were doing a massive restructure and they're like, the UX team is going to report to you. And I remember thinking, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> and But it's so, such a different way of life from now. And I think back on that and how those jobs and those high stress work environments really kept me in that 3D state of mind and really kept that, what I refer to as the monkey mind, really engaged. And so maybe for anybody who's listening right now that's in that type of you know, corporate environment or fast-paced job, what tools and techniques would you maybe recommend for somebody to embrace to kind of change from that way of thinking? Mm, yeah. So th the good news is you don't have to sell everything you have and move to an island to, to <laughs> become more mindful. In fact, that may be just avoidance behavior if, if you're not fully conscious. So mm. uh, ultimately, you can bring consciousness and and presence to everything you do. And most uh, of the deeper change actually comes from being your true self in those environments. So at mm. the workplace, in your family, as a parent, as a partner, as a, as a good neighbor, the more you bring your own truth and your intuition and your inner voice, as opposed to the scattered monkey mind that you mentioned, there's an inspiring energy that builds around that. And you, you feel you are more calm, you're more solution-oriented, you don't linger on moments or on problems, but you're more um, looking forward. And these are qualities that um, helped me even when I was still working in, in mm. corporate, and and people want to be around that. It's just more productive, and it's uh, more joyful to be around that and uh, for yourself and others. And uh, so uh, I think these are the things that just make anything that you do more meaningful because, and this is really where I found myself shifting is even when as a consultant, I had in between projects, I had time to pursue my passions. And I realized I was even in in the things of 
of sports and music and travel, the things I was really interested in. And I had carved out enough time for that. I realized I was still living for outcomes. I was still living for, you know, when this album is finished, then I'll, you know, be happy. Or when I mm -hmm. win the tournament in tennis, then, then I've achieved something or something. Um, so even in that, I wasn't really present. And so ultimately you can be doing the, the most amazing thing things in the world but if you're not present with the experience of it it won't be satisfying that's so powerful and true and you know when you are present it also gives you the opportunity to stop and reflect and to shift from being something that is like more like reactive state which is something i'm personally working on right now is taking that moment to stop and pause and reflect not necessarily be you know so reactive to the things around me but reflective and taking that time to consider like where I'm at and to be present. And I know that you talk about that in your book. Your book is called Be You. What would you say is one of the most powerful messages that your book conveys to readers? Yeah, it's exactly what you say. It's how to come out of reactivity. Because that mm -hmm. reactivity, it's a physiological wiring in the brain that that's reacting and that we keep uh, inflaming and and because we live in a world, especially in the West, that is constantly seeking to elicit a reaction from us. It's constantly trying us to get us to react with right and wrong and good and bad and for you and against you and agree with and disagree with. And this constant reactivity keeps us lodged in our heads in that in that monkey mind. And so we need a practice to balance that out. And mm -hmm. it's really not that hard. And it's not a separate activity. That's the other thing to note. It's not like you should just sit uh, maybe and do breath work in the morning or do your yoga or meditation and then go live the rest of your day. It's really bringing the essence of the, the being essence from those activities, the mindfulness into the rest of the day. And, and uh, that really is what shifts the, your quality of life. Mm -hmm. And you know, as we collectively shift too from that 3D type of thinking and into more of a heart-based and intuitive living, we begin to lift that veil of the third dimension and step into the fifth dimension. And is that kind of also like what you do in your retreats? Do you help people as far as, you know, learning to not be so reactive and to embrace a lifestyle of mindfulness? Walk me through an average re retreat experience that, that you have. Yeah. Exactly. So they're modeled after what I was seeking, right? When mm -hmm. I really started out and I was going to a lot of retreats and they would always be kind of one-sided, like one thing. It would just be talk or I mean, it would just be yoga or or just meditation. And and I felt like these activities uh, failed to really integrate all of it together. Mm -hmm. So the the way my retreats are designed is really to bring and nurture the being essence so we do breath work in the morning, conscious movement classes, uh, meditation, awareness meditation. And there's noble silence for the first half of the day just to really be comfortable with stillness and not speaking and constantly filling the, the airwaves with, with noise and chatter. And then moving into a day of wonderful activities that are deeply cultural, um, nature excursions, architecture, cooking classes, and wherever the retreat is located. So whatever the, the local uh, specialties are. And and really just with reminders interspersed in all of that to show gratitude, to take a moment of presence before we eat a bite, 
uh, how the food arrived on our fork. And so those, that kind of integration of mindfulness into the the fun, quote unquote, fun activities. And then we go back um, after that to some more meditation and evening talks and QA and, and community uh, activities in the evening. And then we close the day with uh, awareness meditation again. So you want to create a structure to bookend your days with mindfulness. And then, but the core of your day, we, we spend on mindful activities. Oh my goodness. I'm definitely sold. <laughs> Where can I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> well, on my website, but I'll share that later. <laughs> yes. yes, I definitely look into that. I would love to go and visit you and have a, a, a retreat experience in Bali and cooking is right up my alley. It sounds absolutely incredible. Oh, what, yes. do you, what do you love the most about what you do? Well, uh, the funny thing is when you feel um, called to do something, it's mm -hmm. not necessarily, oh, it's going to be so amazing and perfect. And it's actually a question I get asked often is how do you tell the difference between your true calling and, and you know your true purpose? And then more of like ideas that you just came up with, right? That mm -hmm. may, may have been other people's ideas, and but the monkey mind based ideas. Mm -hmm. And one of the indicators, at least for me, that I've experienced is that you're calling it's kind of implied in the word. It, you're being called to something, which implies you're not quite there yet, <laughs> meaning you still have some work to do. And you, it might mean taking classes or rearranging your lifestyle or you know, um, purging and becoming more minimalist, whatever it is, establishing a deeper practice before you can really step into, say, a teacher role. So whatever it is, your true calling uh, is a little, comes with a level of discomfort and, and and challenge like you're going to have to step up to something and so it requires you to grow and come out of your comfort zone um so that's uh ultimately there's it isn't like this woohoo you know yeah. i've got my calling i found my purpose kind of experience it's you, you have to embrace it and in my case for example i was very introverted i couldn't imagine speaking publicly and and so, you know, I had to take um, lots of classes and, mm -hmm. and work on myself in that regard and many other aspects so, so that I could speak the way I speak today. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. And, you know, when we're happy and living our purpose, for me, it definitely stimulates my energy flow. And I think that everybody is universal at their core and wants to pursue their passion and find a meaningful life. I mean, that That's what we're here for. But it is a challenge. I left my corporate position. I was scared. <laughs> I, you know, I had all those fears of society. Like, who's going to pay the rent? Who's going to pay the bills? And I just kept hearing the voice inside me saying, trust, just trust. And I told my husband, I'm, I'm just going to trust. And I remember he's like, trust isn't going to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it anyways. And I left and started doing sessions and working with the community here in Las Vegas is where I'm located. And clients started coming to me because what I was doing was very impactful. Um, I do quantum healing hypnosis sessions, which is a very deep line of work and past life regression. And people were talking and, you know, sure enough, like, because I'm living my purpose and I'm really aligned with my passion now, you know, doing podcasting can share the stories and messages. So I think that when we do trust that the universe aligns us with, and will take care of us. Mm, indeed. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned a key word in there, you know, challenge. It's usually the things we feel challenged by that 
th those difficult uh, times in our life where we have to dig deep and and really overcome something it's those challenges that mm -hmm. we then become experts at overcoming right and the the things we resist the most those those difficult times actually turn into our calling more often than not they really make us who we are and that's when we really we can become teachers and, and light workers and role models for others around us because we know how what it takes to get through a situation. Absolutely. And I just really felt that in my core when you said that because nothing is truer from my story. I had a you know, really traumatic childhood and didn't realize it at the time, but it ended up becoming my purpose. It's become my reason and the why I stepped into this line of work and to help other people overcome trauma and things in their past. And so, yeah, the things that we go through end up becoming our reason. So true. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's funny because ultimately as difficult as it is to get through uh, tough times and, and to grow and keep growing and expanding, mm -hmm. ultimately life wants us to grow. It wants us to heal. It wants us to expand. It wants us to become the person we're meant to be and really live to the blueprint that we all have in, inside of us and that is very unique to every single person. So uh, this resistance that we have to a lot of things um, is ultimately, uh, it's a resistance to life wanting to nurture us into mm. the person, right? Being the teacher, the things we feel triggered by are the things we need to focus on next <laughs> so that we can come out of that that small space and 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 grow into a, a, a bigger person of more connectedness and, and oneness. Mm -hmm. What would you say, Chris, is the hardest challenge that you've had to overcome in your life? Mm, the hardest. Mm -hmm. Well, I had I had a lot of difficulty early on. Um, I was a civilian military brat, so not quite mm. part of the military service, but outside of that, even so, there's just a lack of uh, structure and and uh, groundedness and cultural rootedness that uh, that I suffered from a lot. Not feeling like I belonged anywhere, and um, so and as a kid, that's really tough because it's all about belonging and wanting to be part of something. And I didn't realize for it took me a long time to to see that as a, really a gift because I, on the positive side, I wasn't indoctrinated into one way of thinking or one lifestyle or one culture. And and it took longer for me to evolve because of that, because I was exposed to so many different ways and perspectives and lifestyles and languages. But ultimately, we we all come around and, and recognize that life happened exactly the way it needed to happen. It was always a reflection of of me, how I reacted to things. And ultimately, my reaction was what caused most of my suffering. <laughs> And that life really is very simple. The the present moment as it unfolds is very simple. And there's not there's really no space for fear or anxiety in that. It is just what it is. And, uh, and our reaction to our feelings, our thoughts and feelings is ultimately what is the greatest weight on us. So it it took me a while to really go of all that uh, frustration and anger and blame. Why me? Why did life is against me and everything's colluded to make my life miserable? But of course, that was just my own thoughts and, and me believing my own my own thoughts. So yeah, that that was pretty tough early on. And then I think that shaped a lot of how I operate today. Mm -hmm. And I can definitely relate to that. Although I was in my family wasn't in the military, we moved a lot. We moved about every six to eight months. We're always moving and it was difficult starting over and it never felt like growing up. I didn't have any like 
friends and I was always the new kid in school and trying and I didn't really feel like I had any stability growing up and I was angry when I got older because I didn't have that sense of safety but now looking back as I've grown a lot on my journey I realized that that made me stronger made me who I am and to your point it happened you know it happened to it didn't happen to me it happened for me so that I could overcome that Yes, beautiful. I love that reframe. It does happen for us. It's, it's, mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Mm. Definitely. What goals are you pursuing right now? Or what are you working on right now? Well, I was a teacher in higher education for over 10 years. And that's when I really learned. So I, I taught user experience design at UCLA, mm-hmm. continue education and design thinking. And interestingly, a lot of the areas where there there was mindfulness being applied to product and service design, I just didn't recognize it as that. <laughs> So nothing we ever do is for nothing. It, it all builds mm-hmm. up and we bring our own evolution to the next stage and the next chapter and it all carries over. So just one word that it should never feel like we're leaving an old self behind and to start something new. It's we really can build on the our story, uh, our journey and use that to differentiate because that's us and that's what our authentic self is all about. And so even as someone that feels like they're providing a service that, well, there's all everyone else is doing it already. And no, you'll be doing it in your way with your voice and your mm-hmm. journey. And so all of that should be embraced. So, but back to <laughs> back to my teaching experience, it was really I, I realized that every single person learns differently. And um, if I had 30 students in the class, each one really needed their own attention, had their own way of learning. And many of them were visual learners, which is very understated in higher education. And so one of my goals is to create more artistic interpretations, more animations, more visualizations around mindfulness. So at my retreats, I already work with a whiteboard, which is, you know, funny to see that in that type of environment. But again, I'm bringing my Mm -hmm. corporate experience into the picture and I like to explain things on a whiteboard. And so uh, other people have their angles. They may have science, they may have more of the rational, they may have uh, medicine as their background or astrology. But for me, I think it's the senses represent the glue, the kind of the where the rubber meets the road, where we are our physical being really attaches to the 3D space. and, And that's where we get all our inputs from. So the more we can see and hear and uh, taste and touch and smell things as they are without mm-hmm. wanting them to be different, uh, the more we're really pulled into presence. Noticing the details of our sensory ex- experience really pulls us into the present moment. And I just love that. I love how you've found a way to incorporate your background in corporate world into your retreats. I haven't figured out a way how to incorporate Six Sigma yet into my sessions. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, <laughs> you know, the yeah. and raises, and we'll see. I'm still working on that. But to your point, something that you did touch on earlier was how you had that thought or made that impression that maybe people wouldn't want to hear what you had to say because they already did, you know, those lines of work. And I kind of felt like that too in the beginning. There's a lot of different practitioners that do the line of work that I do, but I think that the universe aligns me with certain specific clients. It's really interesting because a lot of my background growing up as a kid and my trauma, the people who end up coming through the door had a, like, um, have a lot of this similar background or experiences in their childhood. Interesting. I get a lot of clients who come through who 
are alien abductees <laughs> and things. Nice. And so my point is that I think that a lot of our things that we experience in our life and things that come up in the past, that it's important that we still move forward because those people are going to come to us who have similar experiences and who align and resonate with the type of work that we're doing. It doesn't matter how many other practitioners there are out there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, everything is energy ultimately. Mm -hmm. So your frequency, as long as you're being authentic, right? The more yeah. authentic you are, the the more you will attract exactly that. And there's no rational thinking that can explain how that works, but it does. And uh, so I think everyone struggles with that initially wanting to shape themselves for the audience, as opposed to really standing your, your true uh, ground and in your true self and then trusting that uh, the the right people will show up and and maybe looking at one's own journey you can see I know I was into Bram Hicks for the longest time and then Eckhart and then Byron Katie and then Brene Brown and then uh, Brian Weiss and Joseph Campbell and Alan Watts and then going back into the ancients and so there's different speakers and different topics for different stages of our evolution and there's no right or wrong we we embrace what resonates there too. And so as speakers and as teachers, students will come and go and, and that's totally fine. And you you want them to really stay in tune and, and keep seeking. Who would you say along your journey, Chris, has influenced you the most? Hmm. So <laughs> that's a great question. It's been many uh, different phases uh, probably been volunteering for Eckhart Tolle for many years, and his style is is quirky humor. And seeing somebody who who you wouldn't think <laughs> has all that in him, and he's able to channel things so beautifully. And I just love uh, his events. Then there's Joseph Campbell with the power of myth and the hero's journey, which has been super inspiring as well because it just goes into the archetypes of of life and and mm. so anything that takes me really deep but even you know einstein had some great quotes to to see a scientist be so connected to uh spirituality ultimately that too is is highly inspiring it, it's when people get lost in thought and they're too much up in their heads that's when all the you look into the world today and and all the wrongdoings and the chaos it, it comes from people living in their heads where the mind can justify anything and it can mm -hmm. it can come up with anything that it thinks is worth the uh, the end goal. So really coming out of our head and into our body, whenever I see anyone support that message, then I'm all for it. Yeah, and the power of thought is so impactful. It can really shape our reality. Um, when would you say that you've grown the most in your life and what caused that growth? Mm. Mm, that's a great question. I mean, I would say it was probably the early years, even though it didn't seem like it. I was mm -hmm. just very miserable, like you said, from constantly moving and always having to catch up in the next school and taking makeup classes and tutoring and never really uh, being able to live, I felt like. But I think then, you know, more later on, it was the transition between noticing that I was really living for outcomes and then exploring and seeking what the alternative to that was. Uh, in my early work, I was working with sound healers and shamans and other practitioners that all pointed out that, Chris, you really live in your head. I was, my energy was so up high, you know, when I wake up in the morning, especially. And so the early efforts were to really come out of my headspace. And that took a lot of work. And it, but it shifted my entire 
uh, way of operating. I, I was so used to planning and analyzing. I would over and I would analyze anything to death. <laughs> and then funny because life has its own way, right? With with some maturity, we all realize well, your life went completely differently than you ever thought it would, and that's okay. But it also sends a message of where does all that planning, that energy that goes into that, and then the resistance to when things are happening differently. It's not a a fruitful and and meaningful way to live. So letting go of that and and just learning to surrender, that that was a big shift. Yeah, I'm still in that transition. I will admit that because I'm naturally, I'm an analyzer and a planner. I'm always thinking about the root cause of stuff. And I have this thing, I need a plan for the plan. And so learning to transition after so long living like that, it, it definitely, it takes a lot of dedication and a lot of work and reprogramming and learning to trust for sure. Mm. Yeah. And what helped me in terms of, uh, and what I teach today in as, mm. uh, awareness meditation is focusing on your sensations. My favorite part about that is that it doesn't require you to know the root cause of something. Because every time we react to anything, it's all day long, we're reacting, reacting, reacting. We can't possibly remember all those instances, maybe some of the bigger ones. But, but even then, after uh, you know, at the end of the year, you maybe remember two or three times this past year that there was some kind of big blow up, but uh, there were many more, and and all of that gets buried in in our body as layers of stuck feelings, as I call it, and um, and so ultimately, just learning to feel your feelings and stay out of reactivity, giving your feelings space to be. It doesn't matter what caused those stuck feelings, what incident. Ultimately, as feelings arise, you learn to let them arise and pass. And so it starts to clean out your whole system and you really don't have to worry about what caused what and when. You just continue to feel your feelings, experience experiencing as I call it. Mm. And and that will just cleanse cleanse out your system naturally and you become more present and and uh and really connect with on the other end of this and I don't think enough people talk about this is it's not just about healing. It's once you kind of come out of the healing, there's this other side when you turn the corner of just this incredible magic of new moments coming along and the unfolding of life and being a participant in that and really feeling called to what role do I have in this new situation, right? And uh, that's an amazing experience of life. Yeah. And, you know, just touching on what you were saying about trapped emotions and feelings in the body, uh, I work a lot with that with quantum healing hypnosis. There's a portion in the sessions that we have where I call the subconscious mind forward to come and scan the body of the client and look for trapped emotions, um, any feelings that are stored, any blockages in the body. And those emotions, when those emotions settle in the body, they they turn into disease, it's anger that manifests. What I find is so interesting, though, is that the same emotions always reside in the same place in my clients. So, for instance, uh, anger is always in the stomach or in the the gut area causing digestive issues. Fear lives in the mind. Sadness always lives in the heart. And so it is important to learn to process those emotions and allow them to have that impact on your body, but then to to let them pass and not store them. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is remarkable when you start to see how life works 
and how different parts of our body represent different emotions. And you know, a lot of Chinese medicine is based on that. And um, there's so much wisdom out there. I'm always kind of flabbergasted by the fact that this has been around for thousands and thousands of years. You mm-hmm. know, and and still we're we're struggling to you know my parents didn't know about it I wasn't exposed to any of this until you know midlife and 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 you wonder why this is not spread more further and and even I was just yesterday I was talking to somebody I, with the internet all of this information has been around and is accessible yet I wasn't exposed to it so when we're not tuned into something at least a little bit we just won't see it we won't run into it. And uh, so it does take a little bit of a crack and opening for the light to shine in into our life, usually caused by suffering. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and for us to then, you know, start to open up a little more. And, and then we start to see things and hear things and run into people. And maybe our old circle of friends isn't as equal or elevating anymore. And and we need to find new people to associate with. And so that's when the journey begins. And that's really when we move into a space of constant evolution, constant change. Life is no longer static. Uh, our beliefs our belief structure is no longer the reality that that everyone should abide by, but we, you know, we recognize the the ever changing nature of life. Yeah, when we talk about recognizing too, I think that oftentimes things are there, but we don't see them. Like maybe we don't pay attention to the subtle signs, and because we're not ready, right? We were just we haven't processed through that trauma, or we just haven't been cracked open yet to be ready to receive and to see the things that are right in front of us. And when we do start to evolve and change, we definitely shed a lot of those old relationships and maybe friendships that don't necessarily align. It, it's part of, it is part of the journey. Yeah. And like you said before that, you know, those are often the fears that uh, hold us back, right? We're, we're so used to our, we, uh, our group of friends, our support networks, mm-hmm. and they served us for a while, but, very often the group think uh, holds us back from, am I the crazy one here? No one else is going through this. And so I think it's really helpful and important and uh, to have tools and resources where you can listen to a podcast like this and go work with a practitioner like ourselves to support that that transition and the, the stepping into your own power, which does require, it comes with a lot of change and it should be done gracefully and tactfully and and gradually and otherwise it could be overwhelming definitely and it is scary um like you say fear is the real four-letter word and i think it's been a few years now but i really went through that transition where i i just i felt like i lost all of my friends and i didn't have anybody to talk to and i was part of the spiritual community here in las vegas at the facebook group and i remember i would look at the posts and I want to put myself out there, but I was scared. I was like, what are they going to think of me? And then one day I was just like, well, I'm going to throw caution to the wind. I'm just going to throw myself out there. And I was already doing sessions as a practitioner. And I created this post offering free sessions because I really wanted to work with people and help people. And some of my dearest friends today came from that first initial time of just throwing myself out there and not being afraid of what people would think about me. So 
Yeah, we are really surrounded by angels. And so uh, a lot of the kind of the trepidation and resistance and fear that from stepping into our, our true self, if you even if you just kind of hear it from us, they, there will be angels that show up and guide us and protect us and uh, become our new friends and our new mm. support network. And these are things we cannot anticipate. And the mind wants to always control and know things. Well, that's where the one of the elements of just trusting that will be taken care of is, is a big part of it. And that's so true. I recently had a session with a client where she actually channeled Archangel Michael. And he said almost exactly that verbatim that the angels are here with us. Um, they respect our free will, but all we have to do is call upon them and that they will come and help us. So Yes, absolutely. They're always there. They're always watching. You have to, it's, it's having relationships with, mm -hmm. uh, with a whole group of guides that that are people too, right? They're just not in this realm, and could be overwhelming at first to suddenly have a whole new group of friends. Definitely, but you know, I, I love having those relationships, and I'm always meeting people now. Even my husband is like, I feel like you have all these friends I don't even know about, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm just open to. I think I'm more open now, and people align with me, and the universe sends me the people that you know that need to be in my life at this at this moment in time, and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Chris, where can people uh, go to learn more about you and your work and your amazing retreats? Oh, thank you. Well, my main website, Sirak.com, that's C-I-R-A-K.com. Uh, you'll find all the latest info on me. I'm also on Audible as a self-narrated audiobook and, and Amazon, of course, and then on social media everywhere at Chris Sirak. And what final advice would you have for anybody listening to the show today? Hmm. So I think it's really to come out of judgment. There is no right or wrong. We are our worst critic most of the time, and and we, we spend a lot of time in regret or doubt and and uh, looking at the past that what could what should have happened differently. And it doesn't serve us. And ultimately, it was a reflection of who we are at the time. Um, so there's really no reason to complain or regret anything. Everything really does happen for a reason. And the reason is you, right? And and so for you to grow and evolve and become more self-aware, everything has to happen as it is. So there's no right or wrong. Embrace it all. This is your life. You are who you are. And your your life wants you to grow and become even better. Absolutely. It's so true. And you know, everything that we experience in life is because we chose this journey and we picked these life experiences so that we could learn these lessons. Yes, yeah. indeed. Lots of lessons. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation today and I know our listeners will too. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on to the show. Oh, thank you, Jennifer. It was such a pleasure. Have me back anytime. Yes. Thank you, Chris. Okay. This podcast is brought to you by The Soul Experience, Quantum Healing Hypnosis. Are you ready to embark on an inward journey of quantum healing? Quantum healing hypnosis is the most profound method of inner work and self-healing someone can do while on a spiritual path. In a single session, you experience past life regression, exploration between lifetimes, self-healing performed by your subconscious, release of trapped trauma, and answers to your most important life questions. Your higher self has a message for you and is here to help you and guide you on this life journey. Book a session today with Jennifer Mitchell at thesoulexperiences.com.